and I put on a tune and it was a great like kind of clubby kind of thing and I was like yeah when was the last time I danced or when was the last time I actually went oh my god I literally haven't danced in at least a year hi I'm Jamie and I'm Sarah and welcome to good Good luck Luck with with the the book. book the podcast that celebrates all things books with plenty of news stories and chats So welcome back to episode five of the podcast. Woo! <laughs> and as always, before we start, can you please pass the pod? How are you this week, Sarah? Fantastic. Yeah. I'm on yeah. my Easter holidays. So I did eat three Easter eggs this weekend. What? Three. It's well, Tuesday. I know. Well, see, what happened was myself and John. How did you get three Easter eggs? Well, see, I ate the children's. <laughs> No, so <laughs> no. Well, there's a whole story behind it. So, myself and John bought ourselves Easter eggs, and that was grand. So we bought them, and then John's sister literally dropped off to Lindor ones, which I adore. Mm. Lindor is my favorite. Good uh, choice, so John's sister. So then we had to eat, and then we bought three other Easter eggs for not for the relatives. It's not that bad, but kind of friends. Yeah. And I'm not going to name the friends because they've yeah, they yeah. this, but they're for their kids. And so we had the Lindor ones when they were dropped off on Saturday because we couldn't help ourselves. Then I had my Christmas one on Sunday, which I ate. And then yesterday, three of them were still sitting. Well, actually, two of them were sitting there because the dog managed to get their hands on one. We got her off her, but anyway, she seems to be fine. But they will be fine. I rang Beth before about it. They have to literally eat like buckets of it is it buckets of it yeah okay well actually i think the chocolate content in them is pretty low yeah exactly <laughs> it's not that's good what chocolate says to me yeah. unless it's like 75 <laughs> percent or something yeah it has to eat a lot so what actually happened then was the box had been chewed on the corner it was actually just when we left the house but she hadn't actually opened it so we couldn't really give it as a gift to the kids and then i was like well sure, i want it out of the house for tomorrow now because we're starting tomorrow now back we're back we're growing up again so i had oh, 30 straight yesterday uh. so Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, I'm feeling pretty fat this week now because the scales inside, and I won't go near it. So, and that's why I worked out, which is why I was talking about working out with dancing last night. I was like, I ate these trick, and this guilt hit me, and like we had started, we we're doing really good working out in the house, but now the girls just don't won't have any of it. They used to be okay, like they'd putter around, but now they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find with the dog, like I'd, I'd be inside working out, and then the dog just like you're doing a, like your crunches or something and the dog just like sits on top of you or like just has no awareness I think they look at me going like like why are you doing this to yourself but uh <laughs> and Nancy does this if you're working then she'd be like oh <laughs> like what noise does mommy make when she's working out oh my god they've got so big they weren't even talking the last time I saw them have you watched anything good on on the telly um, what have I watched? Uh, oh, I'm watching him. Um, have you watched that Little Fires Everywhere? I watched about three episodes of it. I stopped because I didn't like any of them. I think that was what it was. I didn't, I, yeah. I know it was very kind of racially charged, very well done, like very well done, yeah. kind of the the white privilege and all that kind of thing. Very, you know, someone who, a white woman who thinks she's being Hard nice. yeah. oh, but you know is, is, is doing the right thing and it, it just comes across so bad oh no we're loving it I'm nearly finished I think I'm okay. 
maybe finish up watching that because I hadn't got I did we didn't have Amazon Prime before. Okay. So then I've watched everything on Netflix. <laughs> oh yeah, we've watched literally everything. So. <laughs> oh, do you know what we watched on Netflix last night? Uh, just kind of found it out of the blue. It's called We Are the Champions. And it's like a documentary series on like random competitions they do around the world for various things. And it was brilliant. It was so charming. It was a really charming show. So the first episode is this competition they do in the UK where there's this hill in some country town in the UK, which is more than 45% vertical. So it's like mega steep. And it's the cheese rolling the cheese competition. With the girl. Yeah. I love the episode. watched it on Gogglebox before. Was oh, brilliant. no way. <laughs> I think that was brilliant TV. I really enjoyed it. And then... How did she do that? She's a lunatic thrown. She doesn't break anything. I think you have to be 17 where your bones are still soft and your connective tissue just stretches because, like, you don't run it. Like, you're literally... They throw themselves down the hill. Like, it's insane. Yeah. You'd have to be on, like... That's not even something for, like under 30s that's for something under 20s like i yes. don't see how like children oh my god you'd have to be very bendy like i was like i was wincing watching it thinking like, <laughs> people are gonna break their necks so go watch that uh we had the champions and then the second episode was a uh, chili eating competition you know the hottest chilies <gasps> uh which is brilliant really really good i really the characters in it were really interesting so it's really joyous like if you're looking for something fun that sounds watch. nice yeah yeah because john and i just started watching it going look we've watched everything else and went Oh my god, this is brilliant. And it's like perfect, like midweek TV. Oh, and do you know what's back on TV next week? I just heard them talking about it on uh, Ryan Turbridge this morning. A new series of Reading in the Years starting with like 2010. Oh, wow. So it's god. like The Crash, and they're talking about loads about a century ago, anyway. Jesus, so it's going to be. be Sundays, it's been a weird 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll <laughs> end with COVID, like. Jesus, to be continued. <laughs> the other thing was, I was watching the Eurovision entries for this year, because it's coming up, actually. My friend, John, who lives in Amsterdam, his partner is one of the producers of the show. Cause it's, no uh, way! Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if it's this year, you probably got tickets to go. Like, oh my God, the crack. So devastated. Jeez. So it's obviously, it's all... They're, they're actually not fully sure even how it's going to be shown. It depends on the level of COVID in the world, so... It may be that there's just no audience at all and they're performing on stage, but it may be that people actually have to stay in their own countries and kind of perform yeah. in, which actually would be super depressing. Like it doesn't, that have no atmosphere to it. You know what I mean? Part of the, the joy of it is the atmosphere and the silliness of it. So watching my way through them, but uh, we need a bit of that this year. Yeah, it was cancelled last year. I love Amsterdam as well. So what are you reading this week? What have you been so this week, oh, I'm currently reading because when I go back to school, I'm doing The Weight of Water by Sarah Crossan with my first years. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And what's yeah, that about? I actually haven't read it. I, I, okay. She was born in Dublin and moved to the UK with her parents when she was six. She writes in verse. Like Pardon? that kind of verse, like prose poems almost. Yeah, but it's amazing. She's really, oh, she's a gorgeous writer for a start. And then they're just about, like, they're all teenage themes, you know. Right. Young love, all that kind Aww. of stuff. But that one, um, The Weight of Water, it's oh, it's very good. It's about a Polish girl and her mother who emigrate to the UK and just about she's been bullied in school and falls in love for the first time and stuff. So oh, lovely. Teenage read, lovely. And then but if you're going to read any of her books, read one. It's about conjoined twins and it's just the most beautiful, gorgeous book. And you'll be bawling. Jesus, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It's probably it's in my one of my favorite. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books, definitely. Because yeah. I have been reading the self love habits. You know the Fiona Brennan book. Oh, the Fiona, yeah, uh, yeah. And I was trying out her 
you can, there's a hypnotherapy you do in the morning and evening every day uh, to kind of reduce anxiety and I suppose to put you into a more positive mindset. And she has a gorgeous voice. Like she really, I remember getting a meditation CD before and the guy had a very good message, but he had a real like, Bor like Birmingham accent and I remember just like oh god I couldn't listen to him I literally was like I can't I can't do this like I cannot do this it's it's just not pleasant on the ear whereas Fiona's voice is just super super clear it's kind of Irish twinge but without being too strong that way either it's mm. just it's beautiful and just the the seven minute one in the morning I find really really good especially it just kind of puts you in the right headspace for the day you can put it on while brushing your teeth or you just be making a coffee downstairs for myself and john and put that on for seven minutes and it does actually set you up for the day now i haven't been 100 percent consistent with it but i think because the name of the book is the self-love habit i'm not going to judge myself <laughs> for not doing it because <laughs> that would be defeating That's the purpose positive. but i have to say i really have found it helpful and it's kind of like a really nice start to the day so i'm going to stick with it and it's okay that I'm not perfect. Yes. But it's very good. And the book is excellent as well. You so know, it's a self-love habit. Shona Brennan. Yeah, do check it out. It's, it's really good. The book is great as well. And the other book which I've just started is This Is It. It's another Gill book. Connor Creighton. Connor Creighton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm only about maybe 15, 20 pages in because a, a lovely copy came in the other day. Thank you, Gill. Yeah, I got that too. It's lovely. And it's really good. Just on really about meditation. And he would have had a background that would have been which often happens with these kind of people, you know, kind of a, a difficult upbringing, which led to a certain sort of personal crisis that led to kind of a, a spiritual awakening, you know, and he's obviously has a, a Buddhist background now and has practiced meditation all over the world and is a practitioner and a teacher of uh, meditation here in Ireland. But I love the style of the book and I definitely think I need a little bit more meditation in my life. <laughs> yeah. I find it very hard. I Switch off. I, yeah. I definitely had a year or two post, remember I had the car accident or whatever, and I, for, for, yeah. I had very bad anxiety after that. And I went to therapy and definitely for a while after therapy, I found my, my mind was quite quiet for a while, but I think maybe the pandemic and just such the change of life in the last year, I can feel that noisiness has kind of crept back in a way. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what he says. I'm, I, I, I even think what I need to do is I go for a walk every day with a dog and I go around the park. And I need to not bring my phone. I've realized, Don't bring your phone. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's my big goal for the next while. Yeah. Is for one hour of the day. God damn it. <laughs> Stay I just, away from your phone. I, on Sunday and Monday, yesterday, Sunday, Easter Sunday and yesterday, I just didn't go on my phone at all. Just feel great for it. I see you did. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. look at Instagram. <gasps> <God>. <laughs> Speaking of which, you have been posting on our channel about the yeah, so, challenge, the women's writing yeah, challenge. Yeah, Karina, that we used to well, they used to go and visit in Dubray at Buccaneer eight hundred eight on Instagram does this challenge every year, and it's a it's to encourage people to maybe discover books from Irish women that they hadn't read before or old favorites. So every day she gives you kind of a hint or a you know, so it might be something like the book you've most afford to that kind of thing, and you post it and then look at other people's, see what they're sharing. Because so, there's a good reaction um, to it. I know the children's books that you always talk about in the Sweet Valley High. They're Beechwood. They're oh, called, yes. there was four of them from Pooh Bag. They all came out together. And then two more came out after that. But then that was it. But they're, oh my God, they're amazing. I loved them when I was changing. I mean, my sister just loved them. I know I got a really good response, but I didn't do it yesterday or 
Do you know what? You were off your phone. Great. I know. So I'll do it today. Oh, today is, um, so you have to post about a book by an Irish woman of colour or um, somebody from the diaspora. And like, it just got me thinking. I um, Yeah, I couldn't think, like, it's really bad that I haven't read many books by um, like Irish women of colour. Um and I'm I don't, I, I would, I would, and I could be proven wrong and I could be cancelled for this, but I'm not sure how many there are. And I know definitely, obviously I've finished working in publishing a year. I know in the year previous to that, sort of in the UK as well, that had been a big conversation around the lack of representation of yeah. non-white voices. And yeah. it's, it's something it's we talked about here. when I was working in the Boring Press as well. Like the importance of, yeah, finding those voices and and, and listening to them. But it's something I'm really conscious of when I'm buying books for the girls or I'll always look for a book that maybe has just, you know, children from other ethnicities in the book or just not always white characters. It's funny, actually, in the children's space, Irish publishing is much better on that front. I think of, you know, especially obviously O'Brien Press and things like that. They do look for diverse voices, but it definitely seems to be not so much the case for general fiction yeah yeah so um, that's what my ambition for this year or i'm going to set myself is just to be more conscious about that and look for for books like that to read the one thing you're going to say as well which i have down in my notes here was you said last week was tied into that was our favorite teenage books oh yeah yeah (laughs) i was trying to think what my favorite teenage (laughs) books was like point horrors do you remember point horrors oh my god jamie Oh my god! This is exactly what I was going to say to you. Point horror, and well, I was going. Did you read Point Romance as well? No, I never read Point Romance, Uh, and I never. I kind of graduated beyond Goosebumps. I never really read the Goosebumps, but I definitely read like the Point Horrors. I was hooked on, hooked on them. Uh, The Babysitter, or else Stein wasn't it? Oh yeah, they don't actually exist though. I think they're fictional people, aren't they? Oh no, like Oral Stein and Dean Koontz. But uh, no, they've both written for adults as well, but they probably are just... Because um... I think Carolyn Keane, you know, the Nancy Drew author, is a, isn't a really? real being. Yeah. <laughs> That's now, I allegedly, I'm just going to say that there because yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, I remember my sisters actually had all the Nancy Drew files and I read them. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, However, you know, I would like to say I read everything. Like I read every label. I was just one of those kind of, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd read the Cornflakes box, I'd read them back of the bleach bottle when I was on the toilet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just was that kind of kid. But I did love yeah. the Nancy Drew files. The Nancy Point Drew horror. files were the... Do you remember the Nancy Drew files? They're a little bit saucier than the... Than the no, I never read Nancy, Nancy Drew, but in Sweet Valley Twins, Elizabeth reads Nancy Drew books. Oh. <laughs> Jessica doesn't read because she's too cool and oh, off okay. boys. <laughs> do you know, I went straight from... I had a grandmother who used to buy us like the Penguin Classics, like the a lot of those kind of classic books. So I would have read in my teen years... Like Middlemarch, North and South, Pride and Prejudice, all the Austins, a little bit of Dickens. You uh, did not. I did. I, I probably, I remember reading North and South. I probably was about by Elizabeth Gaskell. And that was my first grown up book. And I'd say I was maybe 12, maybe it was 12, 13. My first adult book was, and I probably read it when I was around 12 as well, was Flowers in the Attic. <gasps> That's very sad, isn't it? I haven't read that, but I, it's... <laughs> Jamie, we were obsessed. Me and my friend Marie in school. Oh my god! It was like flowers in the attic. What were the other ones called? Roses in the garden. Oh god! It was a very like a mother. 
she moved back to her the home that she lived in when she was a kid and her parents were loaded they hated her husband so she had to like hide her children in the attic while she went off to these big dance squad big parties and the granny was feeding the, we used to the kids up donuts but they had arsenic on the top so she was Gross. feeding the kids arsenic and then also the kids were growing up in the attic so it's got incest and everything oh my god <laughs> This was a grown-up book, is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. Oh, uh, Jesus. What six, was there a six, film seven, made about Virginia that? Andrews. Oh, there was really bad. Yeah. And then there was another recently. There was a a made for TV film with. It's very. But I mean, when you said made made for TV, I'm like oh, <laughs> awful immediately. It's like, is Jennifer Love Hewitt in it? <laughs> it's just, it's uh, I forgot to say, do Pearl and Nancy have a book of the week? Well, randomly enough, the book of the week this week by Pearl and Nancy is the Daily Dishes Meal Planner. Oh. <laughs> At the back of it, right, there's a two pages with stickers. Have you seen that? Has, yeah, look, go to the back. They are obsessed. Oh, my God. <laughs> my nieces would be obsessed with this. Yeah, so that's what they do. They sit down on the floor, peel the stickers off, stick them everywhere. And now there's only, I think there's only like two stickers left at the back. Oh, my God, <laughs> I love these. Over. I'm going to be, start using these for John. <laughs> you know, they're really good. Like, Little some of them beauty, are like, Masso. Yeah. I love it. I know, they're very empowering. A shit day is okay. Yeah. Love it. Oh, these are amazing. Aren't they? They're great. See, I had left it on the table. I was planning my week's meals and I turn around and they're like, sticky. It's like the heroin for children. I remember sitting in Heathrow Airport coming back from Dubai once with my niece and she was sitting on my lap and I was wrecked and just really just want to get back and we're one of those changeovers this last night four or five hours and she just was sticking stickers on my face and I just was like she's being quiet she's not crying and I just just let her put stickers on my nose and on my eyelids and everything I was like if she's just not crying that's fine by me exactly (laughs) I suppose it's time to begin we had an amazing interview with Kate Gunn the author of The Accidental Soberista and I just want to apologize in advance I try to improve my sound on the podcast you may have noticed the last few episodes by adding this new software which kind of cleans everything up as it turns out it made everything way worse so uh it's you can in my audio you can hear a slight crackling here and there i really apologize for it the software is no longer part of the program as you can hear it's now nice and clear again but at the time of kate's interview i had no idea what was going on so my apologies if there's a little bit of that anyhow the interview was still amazing kate was just so insightful on how to live a happy alcohol-free life. But the life. important thing is that it wasn't. This wasn't something like she set out to do. She's not preachy, or she's just telling her story. So, without further ado, let's begin. Woo! So, thank you so much for coming on, Kate, and having a chat with us Thanks. about this. Thank you. I suppose even just to start, in the book, you talk about having previously tried 30-day challenges, which I've done, and they're, they were kind of hellish <laughs> and very unpleasant experiences, which are kind of almost like Lent, I suppose, is the only way, the closest way I can describe it. What was it about this time that stuck for you? Yeah, it's strange because I've talked quite a lot about that. So I did a couple of like dry Januaries and hated them. And I think part of it was that like, Perhaps it just wasn't the right time in my life. I think it has to be kind of the right time for people. And yeah, it was just the mindset shift, I think, 
this time. So instead of like the deprivation and I really want to drink, but I'm going to deprive myself from it and the willpower is going to get me through until the end of dry January. This time it was the mindset was a complete shift. And it was like, okay, what can I gain from this experience? And what am I going to like take from it? And really like simple, subtle shift like that really did make all the difference and unexpectedly, I suppose. Because I know I read somewhere else when we have maybe a situation that isn't working for us, but we stick with it. It's not despite something, it's because there's a payoff somewhere in it for us. So it's about figuring out that payoff and then sort of moving. As you said, you you reframed it to the payoffs of the kind of new life. And you talk about the marathons, the triathlons, the Yeah, and it book. wasn't like, it wasn't, that wasn't my intention going into it. So like I had really gone into it as 30 days in support of my partner who was doing, who was going off it for 30 days. And I was fine with drinking. Like I was enjoying my drinking life so it wasn't a case that like oh I really need to do this or you know I'm gonna I'm gonna end up running a marathon at the end of it <laughs> uh, it was really just okay 30 days in support of him and how can we make it better so that it's not like this deprivation experience so kind of focusing on you know the early mornings or the fitness challenge and things like that rather than the Friday nights and Saturday nights I'm not allowed to have a drink and that's really all it was at that stage. Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe you find this as well, Sarah. You pointed out something in this book, which is something I've realised recently. You talk about the importance of like brunch and, you you know, as a non-drinker being amazing. And I kind of talk to my partner who doesn't drink. and I'm like, I'm just not going to be witty or charming at 11 o'clock at night without some <laughs> stimulant. I'm just not. Like, I might as well accept yeah. that reality that like, I'm tired at 11. I'm a morning person. And to be whipping myself and expecting myself to be expect to be a pleasant human being <laughs> yeah. without you know at, at that time and I just isn't going to happen but you suggested we'll reframe some of your friendships around morning and brunch and I was like oh yeah the, the friendship thing I was going to say is is a weird thing because it's like that whole question of why can't we sit with our friends in a social situation and not drink why do we feel uncomfortable in those situations when you could be in like a coffee shop or going for a walk and feel totally fine but you just put yourself in a pub where other people are drinking and you suddenly feel really self-conscious and uncomfortable yeah. and why is that like if they're friends that you're comfortable with you know why do we feel that way I think it's yeah. like an interesting one to delve into yeah and people become like because I have done the 30 day things obviously and then I was pregnant so while I was pregnant oh my god like I turned 40 when I was pregnant and I was out for my birthday I was like, what is wrong with my friends? <laughs> They're fine, like for about an hour and a half. And then suddenly there's just, was I like this? Talking rubbish, saying the same thing over and over again. And like, you can literally only handle an hour and a half to two hours then you have to leave. Yeah. Mm. At the same time, you think when you're, when oh, you've yeah. a few drinks and you're drunk, oh, I'm witty and I'm funny and like, <laughs> I'm the best crack. Because <laughs> I would be like, would would have before I had kids like last to go home you know all that kind of thing you talk as well about when you were your journey giving up alcohol coming up to Christmas like I found out I was pregnant on the 9th of December or something and I remember I remember thinking raging raging <laughs> I was I was like I had booked an amazing night the Great Gatsby in the gate and then cocktails afterwards in the vintage cocktail club and I booked it like back in August for me and all my friends and I had to go along to this, like, sober. I was leaving the house, like, angry. Like, this is, <laughs> no, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. 
I was just kind of, oh, why couldn't it be after Christmas? Anyway, I got through Christmas. It was fine, obviously. And like you say, then when you wake up in the morning and you feel fine, it does make up for it a bit. But God, it's mad how we just get so irrational and put so much power onto the alcohol, I suppose, and give it. Yeah, because you were probably going out that night going, I'm going to have a terrible time yeah. not drinking. Oh, it totally Whereas was. actually, if you just focused on the seeing the play yeah. and going out with your friends and lovely environment, it would have been fine. Like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? I realised that when I have been buying the kind of non-alcoholic beers quite a bit. Now, I I do have a few drinks, but sometimes I'm like, look, it's not worth feeling like that in the morning for the sake of sitting at home with, you know, having pizza and a couple of mm. bottles. And actually, it has the same effect. Like, I don't know if it's psychologically, it's you're having your grown up drink on a Friday with your, your pizza and, and, and your drinks. And it is part psychological, the taste of it. And suddenly you go, oh, well, now I'm in a different headspace or something. Or I'm... Yeah, I, I always like regurgitate that Lee Mack story which I think yes. put it perfectly like that he and some of his, his friends they both had a hard day they were going to the pub uh, for a drink and he was he had just given up so his friend was ordering a pint and he had like a lemonade and he was looking at his friend's pint going like for fuck's sake that's what I want <laughs> and then the friend took a sip of the pint and just went oh god that's better and he could mm. see like him de-stressing and he was just like that alcohol hasn't hit his system yet like that's literally just the sip of a drink in a nice environment with a friend that is not the alcohol relaxing you that's just the perception and the yeah. environment and that always stuck with me because it is so true and now like you said with the non-alcoholic beers you have one of them on a Friday night and it's that same psychological like relaxation or yeah. you know whatever it is it kind of tricks the mind into it. I'd have to say I, I've tried the wines not great yeah. but the Nosecco is really surprisingly has that little bite to it in a way that because yeah. the wines still feel a bit fruit juicy but definitely the yeah. Nosecco we had a for our kind of anniversary dinner last week and got out the nice glasses like the glasses <laughs> you get at the way you know wedding present glasses and that's like it's so important it's like makes all the difference that yeah, yeah it really was great I'm very lucky in that I a lot of people around me don't drink so it makes it very easy and and definitely I'm a product of people I'm around and if I'm around drinkers then I drink more but for people out there who are thinking about this you know kind of seriously and they're really worried about the immediate family social setup which you have around Christmas and you know your sisters and things you talk about in the book how do you best approach that is there any sort of advice you'd give on that from your experience certainly for me it was a lot easier because my partner was doing it as well so you have like a, a buddy kind of in those social situations but I think even if the other person or somebody in your family isn't doing it to just have that honest conversation with like one person to get one person on side and just be like you know this is why I'm doing it like really need your support and then when you're in those social situations they can kind of stand up for you as well and mm -hmm. um, yeah. it depends on the family like I've heard it like family friends whatever it is like heard from people who you know got a lot of shit really from for doing it and a lot of pressure and caved in to that pressure when really what they wanted was to keep going I've heard of that as well and I just wonder like why do we do that if your friend even says to you like if I'd say oh I'm going to say go meet my friend for a drink but they tell you they're not going to drink like you instantly pregnant yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the point <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. and I think a lot goes back to like well holding a mirror up to yourself and people mm -hmm. don't want that they don't want the, the boat rocked or the status quo changed but like you were saying, like, and I always say when I go out with friends, like I don't like judge people or you don't want them to, to not drink just because yeah. they aren't. But like what you said, when people start repeating yourself, you are like, oh, 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 I'm gone, I'm gone, like at 12 o'clock. 
and that's fine they can continue on but people feel that they feel like you're going to be judging me and what if I'm repeating myself and what if I'm stumbling I know that because I thought that as well yeah you know the one thing I thought was a real positive and I suppose because we've all been in the situation of being in lockdown so we're not going out even if we drink or have wanted to drink is the money you save. Uh, I changed jobs last summer and kind of I'm working in a different way now. So my income dropped from that because I had a you know, full-time job. And despite the fact my money has dropped because I'm not going out, I'm like, I don't feel any different. Like, I don't feel like I'm financially suffering for not doing it. I'm going, how much money did I spend going out? Like literally between rounds and, you know, yeah, especially living like in Dublin where you're like eight quid like glasses of wine. Water dripping through your fingers it's just all the extras like it's as you say like the rounds or the taxis or the taxis you know yeah. it all just builds up so much but yeah it's kind of scary when you actually calculate it out <laughs> and I always say that to people if you can calculate it out um like try and take that money every month and like put it into like a pot somewhere and then do something with that money so you're you've got a physical representation almost of what you've saved so whether it's a new wardrobe or a handbag or a holiday or whatever it is that you're going that is because I wasn't drinking it's an, it's an extra mm. like added incentive well you talked about doing things like going for a massage and and various things like that as as ways of treating yourself yeah. if you're not doing those kind of things which I thought totally. was totally and like you know 60 quid on a massage or whatever I would never have been able to justify that to myself but mm. you add up a few bottles of wine and it's like okay well that's instead of that you tell yourself what you need to like I actually did calculate in my early 20s how much I was spending on alcohol and it was a third of my income like going out I would hit Sunday evening and I'd have 20 euros to last me or 20 pounds whatever it was back then to get me to Thursday and then my paycheck would hit again and the whole thing would be gone by Sunday again and I'd be literally going into the corner shop buying like pizzini kind of like (laughs) and it's kind of I could have eaten like a king all week on this money you know I was I wasn't but that's normal that's yeah totally normal like that's what everybody does totally I would say I had less money in college (laughs) and all my money nearly all my wages would be spent on going out or you'd go into town to buy something to wear to go out and then go out (laughs) and spend the rest of your money and then all my friends and I would be like we'd all be like who has money this week or you know helping each other out that way my god when you spent that money the 500 quid Oh, that was like, I gave, I, cause I gave my sisters the book before anyone else. And I was like, oh Jesus, you know, waiting, waiting to see what they thought. And within 24 hours, I got a text going, Katie, mom's going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember one thing I used to do was Tesco used to do four tooth value toothbrushes for 80 cent or 80 pence or whatever it was how because I was in UCD so like a taxi in and out from town was 25 <laughs> euros I think it was that's five pints but I had friends living in town but I just got sick to the teeth of because I'd go on a Wednesday and we'd go for like a coffee and then suddenly the coffee people a bottle of wine and oh, wow. a bottle of wine would turn into being in the George at 2 a.m and I you know <laughs> I'd, I'd be still carrying around the food I bought at three in the afternoon but I just got so sick of not brushing my teeth that I just started scattering my toothbrushes yeah (laughs) they're literally 20 cent toothbrushes now they but you know probably awful for your teeth but better than not brushing at all (laughs) but it's funny that it's normalized it's totally normal if you didn't have that experience that's probably the abnormal experience which is yeah but i do wonder like how much that's kind of changing oh it is changing i think yeah will change in the next 10 years because there's definitely like a wake-up happening yeah my friend has a teenage daughter, like, well, she's 20 now, she's in college, but she would be 
like completely different to us and, and her friends as well they're just yeah. more responsible I think or I don't know what it is I, I wonder if you know we've talked before about like play things like Instagram and social media being a negative in terms of personal appearance but when I talk to my partner John he's like okay it isn't you know it is very image driven and stuff but at least they're exercising they're being healthy the idea of alcohol you know and and looking bad or you know kind of a lot of yeah. you know especially young lads who are in the gym and all that you know gym culture has really increased and in one ways you can yeah. kind of go oh is this particularly good mental health wise and that leads to other problems but actually one thing I think it actually does do is I think these people are very conscious of like their diet their eating their you know and I you know a lot of these young lads I think aren't drinking because yeah of that yeah, consciousness wellness, like it's it's the, that whole wellness trend it is like such a trend and as you say there's like positives and negatives to it but like that was not something that we no. like that I grew up with no. <laughs> or like we were with the like, Ladette culture. Ladette, I was and literally thinking like uh, Denise Van Outen and yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. Zoe Ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was what we emulated. Yeah, oh, totally it was. Yeah. And, and the yeah. other thing I realised, Sarah and I discussed this at least once a podcast, but <laughs> Sex in the City has a lot to answer for <laughs> because they would go out for like a series of cocktails on a Wednesday or Thursday. And these were people, now, now I'm roughly what their age was supposed to be, like mid to late 30s. <laughs> And I'm like, if I had four cocktails on a Wednesday, I wouldn't be working Thursday. I'd be stuck to the bed. And they like they're waking up the next morning and they're back having brunch in the cafe. I'm like, they'd be growling at each other. <laughs> uh, that's true. so funny. My sister was only saying to me last night we were talking about Fleabag, and I said, oh, yeah. I only just started watching it. But uh, have you watched Fleabag? I, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I, have to I, watch I, it. I said I had to turn it off. It was the first episode because I was going so red. <laughs> She was like, how did you survive the sex in the city years? <laughs> like, Sorry, you said about the going to a concert. That's one thing. I just, oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine. It's just so, a gig and drinks are so like. Yeah, totally, linked. totally. Yeah. And myself and my partner, Aon, like we go to loads of gigs. So that was like a real like, oh God, what's this going to be like? And a total surprise that it was better. Yeah. Um, like we've been to loads since and it's a better experience it's like it's, it's bizarrely better because you're more just aware of the, the music you're not running to the bar you're not thinking oh this drink is nearly gone you're not running to the loo <laughs> like Blue, it's just, yeah. like you're just more in tune Present with the music well, like the actual yeah mm -hmm. what you're there for I actually don't really go to music festivals and one of the reasons is is that I can't do two days now I cannot wake up hungover and there'll be people within I just can't I absolutely I can do a big night out but the next day I'm like I'd like it's one of the things that really used to put me off like having people back or something you know after a night out and like oh come mm -hmm. on a few drinks not because they'd be there for two hours but somebody had decided to crash and I'm like if I have to look at this person when I wake up like I will <laughs> I just uh, we went to the uh we went to all together now uh that that year of the traffic but it was like the absolute joy of the smugness the next morning when you just see all these like zombies with like eyeliner down their face <laughs> <laughs> like in the horrors queuing for their like breakfast rolls and you're zipping out of the <laughs> oh it was like great yeah so like festivals again thought it'd be awful but uh just great brilliant honestly like honestly <laughs> i just <laughs> i don't know why i'm so like it's so bad isn't it that we're it's like because, that but you but... haven't experienced it like you, like that's all you know because all you know is like yeah. festivals and, and overindulgence. I yeah. just wonder, Sarah, whether you'd be better off baby steps as in 
Maybe don't start like day one of your alcohol-free life being a three-day festival. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know, maybe maybe try a few nights out and stuff and see how you get on first. Or a few I'm gigs or something. Night out. There's no, yeah. I don't think I'd go to a festival. It would take me a few years. Yeah. Yeah. If I had, because I don't think I'd put myself in that position. I don't think. Well, you have the robberiest arm of anyone I know. Like you're very bad. You're as bad as me. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us would often because we worked together before on a night out the two of us would find each other and like that was it <laughs> only, I've changed now because I have kids and yeah. uh, <laughs> like it's just, well it's not worth it no that's my whole thing at the moment is I don't need to have somebody to mind them the next day oh definitely yeah. yeah it's not it's not fair on them either you're supposed to get up in the early in the morning you want to get up and get out and do stuff I don't want to be going around holding my head and my hands or anything you know so that's changed me. Could I just ask you uh, another question Kate I actually said it to you the last podcast as well Sarah about it's the first time that I've been Tuesday at like 4 p.m in the day and god god I'd love a drink which is not like for me drinking is a social thing you know as in but it's just and I think it's just this underlying constant which everyone has it's not me of like this stress is there anything you could sort of help in that for, or something you could suggest to people because I think you know people aren't going out and drinking but there's you know all the figures are saying that people are really you know finding it's the bottles of you know people are mm-hmm. are self-medicating really I suppose to get get through the weeks is there would you have any thoughts on that or uh, funnily enough, my sister actually only said to me this morning, she was like, oh, Jesus, like I'm in such a rush of just drinking during the week. Like, mm. um, you know, how do I how do I stop that? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, well, like, you could like stop buying the wine. <laughs> and she was like, oh, novel, novel idea. Like, but it's, it's, it's true. If it's not in the house, you're not going to pop yeah. it open. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's an effort to go out and, and get it or whatever. Um, so like a really stupid, simple tip like that is just like, don't have it in the house during yeah. the week uh, can help. Um, but I also uh, remember listening to the, the podcast during um, the first lockdown, I think it was, and somebody was saying, you know, their friend said to them, how have you survived all this without drink? And he was like, how have you survived it with drink? Like, it makes it so much harder. Like, mm. the next day, you know, it, it depletes everything, your resources that you need to get through this. And I think that's true. Like, it's actually, like, it, it, it's not a crutch. It's actually making it all harder yeah well i think bottom line is is it is a mild poison like that's that's ultimately what it is it's a very like it's not poison in arsenic sense of the word but it is ultimately something that puts pressure on the body no matter what way you look at it so like i know myself uh, you know with anxiety oh the worst awful for anxiety yeah yeah Yeah. if you have something to do early in the morning that always stops you having to drink i think because i think yeah even that like whole fitness challenge like yeah. the couch to 5k or something like that that you're focusing on and it's de-stressing yeah. you and it's taking your mind off other things like um it doesn't have to be a huge major fitness goal it can just be something small but something to focus on because yeah. I remember like years ago not years ago God, it feels like years ago when they started doing park runs so we'd literally getting up on Saturday morning to the park run so you definitely wouldn't drink as much on a Friday night because you'd say we're going to yeah. get up and go to the park go to park run so you just mm but only have a glass instead of like two glasses, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it does help you just kind of think differently. If you set kind of rules, so like if you say like, I am not going to drink Monday to Thursday, it takes away that question of the, oh, will I drink tonight? Will I, will I, like, you know, yeah. will I have a glass or will I have a half a bottle or, you know, like it just takes that away. You just say, I'm mm. not going to drink Monday to Thursday. End of story, that's your rule. Like, 
and it helps just take that pressure off the quest the constant questioning and going like over and over in your head about it because yeah. um, even that depletes your energy because so much mental headspace taken up with like will I drink tonight or won't I yeah, um, yeah. we do that that's the rule in our house Monday to Thursday no just no. and like you said it just just take it out of it it's your... question what is your favorite non-alcoholic beer what can you oh. recommend to our, our uh, the Guinness Pure Brew the oh, larger right. um, oh it's like I would say by far the best okay yeah right. I had one there a couple of weeks ago actually it's really nice Really nice. We might try that really now. Good. It's Friday. Might get a few of them. Yeah. Lovely. Pop over to Super Value. Because I know I've seen the gins, the non-alcoholic gins. Yeah. And I know there's not is there a non-alcoholic bar in Dublin, which I think it opened just before. Uh, yeah, the Virgin Mary. Yeah. yeah. Have you so, been? No, like I think we tried to go once and it was closed and then it was locked Yeah, then it's locked. It's mad, isn't it? Now we finish all our interviews with asking our interviewees for their favourite quote. Do you have a quote you'd like to share with us? Well, I have lots of quotes and I was like <laughs> thinking of nice, nice, like highbrow literary quotes. <laughs> but then I realized like the probably the one that like most links into what we're talking about here is actually from Tony Robbins. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. um, <laughs> not very highbrow, but he says uh, the only impossible journey is the one you never begin. And I think it's really true with the giving up alcohol. I would have thought that that was impossible for me. It wouldn't mm. have been something that I would ever have thought of that I would do myself. And we like spend our lives from the age of 16, like right up so 60 years of drinking. So like even to say, okay, I'm going to give up for 30 days, like 30 days out of 60 years isn't like a big yeah. deal <laughs> or 90 days or whatever it is. So you might think it's impossible, but just give it a go. Like just try, you know, you're only going to lose like 30 days of like 30 60 days, years yeah. of drinking. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> give it a try and it might be the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. And do it with that mindset. I, I like that you said that just switch your mindset on it don't think of it as this negative thing think think of the positives because you we all when we do it every everyone that does it talks about it negatively uh, and when we're able to like get up and go out hiking and get to the mountains and all that kind of stuff that's a really nice thing about getting up early is that you can do those things and you have this whole day ahead of you you do so much more with your life you think you're missing out but actually you're not you, you get to do a whole lot more case so thank you so much Kate for coming on we really appreciated it it was so good to talk to you and I'll be thinking more consciously about what I drink definitely definitely and the book's really good if anyone's kind of sober curious as they say it's out now it's really nice really easy read I was actually on TikTok the other day since the interview and someone was saying alcohol in your 30s today is happiness taken from tomorrow I thought, <gasps> which is interesting because i definitely feel that try it in your 40s <laughs> <laughs> well someone who thinks it's like wait till you're 50 <laughs> to finish as always we do our can i just say and coffee and a quote and i'm going to start with my can i just say because it's kind of a downer and i know yours is more of an upper sarah and i'd rather <laughs> us end on a high and that is i watched seaspiracy since the oh god episode, stop. and I honestly think it's the most important and at the same time, the most difficult documentary I think I've ever watched, actually. It's truly, like, I have been a pescatarian for years or was a pescatarian for years. Yeah. Thinking, firstly, I was doing the right thing with my body. And secondly, it was a much better choice than kind of meat eating and the kind of animal cruelty around that. And it actually really shook me. It put me in a really odd humour for a few days. And especially with the dolphin tuna, the dolphin safe tuna, which turns out that it's complete and not a myth. And yeah. 
I know there's been a lot of pushback online to various details within the documentary, but I think the broader point that we are ransacking the ocean and realistically there probably won't be fish in the ocean within 30 40 years they literally will that they're expecting the ocean to be empty of fish by 2050 so that's terrifying and especially because the ocean is so tied into the oxygen supply on this planet we might want to reconsider what we're doing but i just don't know i kind of i wish i had more faith in humanity oh, i Jamie, worry it's just everything is so like oh do you we watch, have to did you start watch? treating the planet properly. Like we are reaching in every area, be it carbon, be it plastic, be it the oceans. Did you we watch as a, well? There's yeah. a really good documentary on Netflix called Sherpa. And it's no. about the Sherpas who go up Mount Everest with right. the climbers. But it's just about that. It's like the Western peoples, they just want everything. And now it's such a huge part of the economy in that part of the world that to take it away would be catastrophic as well yeah. but oh, it's just what we're what we're doing to people to the well, mountain it's rampant capitalism yeah. it's capitalism like because a lot of people one of the reactions to the seaspiracy was oh well you know a lot of people need fishing you know it's indigenous to certain countries like that's not the fishing we're talking about that's been going on for thousands of years yeah. fine it's these massive super trawlers that have nets they said the nets are the size that you could fit 10 jumbo jets into them and they're literally going along the ocean and like clearing it out like it's, it's indiscriminate they're picking everything up with them so mm. it'd be like trying to pick a flower in saint stephen's green and going in with a bulldozer and just starting at the gate and going i want that rose at the far end of the garden and just driving it through and, and to get that one kind of fish the main thing i say is just i think everyone should watch it what's kind of happened out of it is now i'm no longer eating fish i just fully decided that that's not going to happen unless I'm in some way sure that like I live in Kenmare I'm yeah. also, there is local trawlers and things here so it's possible to get some fish that I feel is reasonably sourced but sustainable fishing labels and dolphin friendly is absolute bullshit I bullshit I will never buy another tin of tuna I have actually one tin of tuna left bought pre this and I'm like enjoy that fucking tin of tuna because that's the last <laughs> one you'll ever have <laughs> no. me and Dara uh, were talking about that and like I like if I have a sandwich out, I always have tuna. Oh, Jamie, you know when this is over? Yeah. We have to go to that pickle place and get a sandwich. Remember? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> pickles in Crumlin. Crumlin, is it? South Circular, yeah. Oh, not South <gasps> Circular. Uh, pickles on Sun Drive Road. <laughs> don't go there. Stopper. I don't want to queue. I don't want to queue there. <laughs> don't go there. It's, a, it's awful. <laughs> I just go there all the time. <laughs> They do the best sandwich in Dublin. Like, yeah. no joke. Best sandwich. Probably best sandwich in Ireland. Like, yeah, I think so. Because And we would know. We, we... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we two former reps. Our top three sandwiches in Ireland. I think all of them would be from Pickles. It would be like, Pickles number one, Pickles number two, Pickles number three. Best sandwich in Ireland. If you are in Dublin 4, Dublin 6, Dublin 2. Actually, if you're... Just, County Dublin. Yeah, County Dublin. It's so, so good. And they are doing takeaway. So you can go get your sandwich at the window. Oh, are like, they? Yeah. So like go to the Harold's Cross Park afterwards or, you know, there's yeah. parks just off. There's one park just, I think St. Anne's is just off. I actually have to go well. over there to go to the dentist. So. so. Amazing. Uh, well, that's lovely to end. That's a more positive note. But you have yeah. your, can I just say? Oh, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> well this is I totally agree with. This needs it's to be people said. People putting tissues up their sleeves. It's... <laughs> As a child, I thought it was repellent. As a child who picked his own nose, used to think that was repellent. So, and then, but the, and then there's the adults who take it from their sleeve and put it on a child's face. Oh, 
I, I just find this like it must be like damp next to your skin. Like yeah. Oh. But even just the like having something stuffed up your sleeve, it must be so uncomfortable. It's a really I don't I find it deeply like makes me <laughs> gag. I don't know, just put it in the bin. Especially now COVID's here, we need to be like chucking away our tissues. I doubt people do it anymore, actually, do they? Well, funny, there was no colds or flu this year. No, because of COVID. We're all... Yeah, so we're all like not seeing each other and wearing Keeping masks. ourselves to ourselves. And so our coffee and a quote. So mine is alcohol related because that's what you have. Oh, so is mine. Yeah. So <laughs> mine is from the illustrious Homer Simpson. <laughs> so it's alcohol, the cause of and the solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> Probably his best card ever. <laughs> oh, what about yours? Okay, mine is um from a little program that we haven't talked about yet. This oh, episode <laughs> just got it in there. Yeah. So this is a conversation between Carrie, Samantha, and Miranda. You brought a pregnant woman a bottle of scotch. <laughs> the invitation said BYOB. That meant bring your own baby. <laughs> That's kind of like my old life meets my new life in a quote. Oh <laughs> Guys. Although I would never drink scotch. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd have to be. I just wouldn't. Pretty to idea. Unless it was like, could you have it like a whiskey ginger or something like that? It might be quite nice. Scotch oh my gosh. A bit of ginger. No, we can't have this conversation after <laughs> chatting to Kate gone. Not in this episode. I'm sorry. We're not talking about our favorite drinks. That is an insult to her for coming on and spending half an hour with us. So <laughs> more than half an hour. She's still yeah, so, so good. So Sorry. anyhow, pass the pod, everyone. If you have someone you know who you think might like to listen to the podcast, please do uh, send a link their way, and because uh, that just helps to keep the momentum going. Uh, <laughs> and before we go, uh, next week we have Emma Gleason on to talk about <gasps> stuff happens, which was an amazing interview we had with her. It's already recorded. This book is more than just a book about cleaning out your closet or tidying up your house. It's kind of about the psychology and the sociology of stuff. Why we have so much stuff, why it's so hard to get rid of, why we're like attached to it. And but funny, we were just talking about sea spiracy yeah. just right there, talking about our Western need for stuff and stuff, things. Yeah. And she, her background is, she's uh, her, her degree, her research and everything has been on kind of material culture. Yeah. So the book felt really friendly and chatty and helpful and supportive, but backed up with this kind of underlying sense of this, she knows what she's talking about, yeah. kind of the Western psyche. So yeah. the interview was fantastic and we were thrilled to have her on. So oh, she's uh, lovely. Yeah. tune in in two weeks time and we'll talk about that. And always, whatever you're reading. Whatever you're writing. Good, Good luck, luck with, with the book! The book.